WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. What is that sound? Could it be? Is he here? Batman, arise. It is. It's ah, him. He's here. It's Rob Lynch. It is time. It must be time for our Three Amigos end of the year special. Uh, gosh, if Christmas weren't already over by the time this airs, uh, I would throw up in the windows and yell at the nearest child to go buy a big old roasted goose. Uh, <laughs> I may still do that. I'm kind of hungry, but uh, we're not. Boy, <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> Boy, it's several days up. before Christmas. <laughs> I thank you very much. I thank you. Very- All right, I'm the only one who has to rep the Albert Finney Scrooge, which I think is still the best. I- I'm going to be that one guy in the room. <laughs> he is a great Scrooge. Alistair Stem, sorry. Mm. I, I, okay, that he's 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 up there, but he's no Albert Finney. <laughs> the, the, those are probably the two. Although I I, I still have a soft spot for Sir Michael Caine uh, and the Muppets. I, Michael Caine, bring up the Muppets. <laughs> Michael Caine, Michael Caine, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we are not done introducing folks yet. Uh, we are we are joined tonight by uh, a fourth amigo, a good friend of the show. Uh, you hear him every week on Bat Chat with Matt and Will, also at Comics XF. Please welcome the Clown Prince of Podcasting, uh, Sir William Nevin. How you doing? Uh, yes, we are. We are truly filled with the spirit because this was recorded before Christmas. Uh, so ostensibly, this is our best of the year episode where we each talk about our favorite comics of the year. We've done this a few times. You know the drill by now. Uh, we each pick three books and talk about them, some honorable mentions. But really, this is just about getting friends together and shooting the shit. So if you want to talk about a book you read this year and loved, but that didn't come out this year, do it. If you all want to derail entirely and talk about Star Trek, uh, it actually already happened before we started recording. Uh, I, I, like Cyclops to Dracula, want you to follow your heart. Will, if you just want to go, go off about the sensational character find of 2021 Ghostmaker, uh, more power to you. Uh- you. <laughs> oh, I, I truly and sincerely asked for that. Um, <laughs> but we'll 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 get started uh, pretending we're following the show's usual format. Um, Will, do you have a first book that you want to talk about as one of your your faves for the year? Oh, well, starting with me. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I'll go with uh, with one I was really, really, really impressed with because it was operating, I think, at such a high level, but it was also just a fun read right there on the surface too. Aftershocks, uh, Maniac of New York. Uh, okay. Just a really great concept. Um, the idea is... Um, you know, what if we took, say, Jason, um, you know, uh, your stereotypical like horror slasher uh, villain, and you put him in a real world where he is simply an endemic problem. Uh, and everybody, instead of trying to kill him uh, or deal with him, they just sort of accept life in New York as Oh, okay. Well, you know, every once in a while, this, uh, you know, this, uh, this horror villain is just going to come along and kill people. Um, it's a great allegory to um, first gun violence. Uh, that was, um, 
That was the intention when the book was written, but it also reads really, really, really well uh, in terms of what we haven't done to mitigate uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So just, just operating on so many levels. And the second volume, which squeezed in right here at the end of the year with its first issue, um, puts a hat on a hat, but in a really good way. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the second volume is about um, the slasher in a school. Because again, we're not, we're not doing anything to take care of that problem. Uh, when it comes to guns. So just a really, really smart fucking book and a great read. Right on. Uh, and, and glad to hear that, you know, basic quality is kind of keeping up in the, uh, the second volume. Um, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, Rob, how about we pivot to you? What, uh, what, what tasty treat do you have for us first, sir? Well, goddamn, I wish I had some credence queued up right now because we're about <laughs> to get born on the bayou, baby. Uh, nothing hit the spot for me this year more than a uh, swamp thing. I mean, er- everything from, you know, the, the uh, excellent first impression that we got of our, uh, our new avatar, Levi Kamai, who is immediately relatable and likable. You know, he has this desire to find his own roots and to, you know, come to terms with this, you know, new nightmares duality that he has. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of the title's legacy, I mean, it honors the horror. I mean, the, the, you know, the very first trial, that he goes, you know, through is uh, this uh, horrific fight, you know, with a demonic desert presence that ends so beautifully. I mean, he almost like announces his arrival with this uh, nuclear-like explosion of uh, the Indian banyan tree, which you know just radiates life. I mean, that 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 that's just like a hell of a first impression right there. And then it honors the psychedelic. You know, you have uh, between. Uh, you have Levy and his friend Jennifer have this like magical mystery tour through the green where they're uh, guided respectively by uh, Poison Ivy and the Floronic Man, which honors, you know, your earliest Alan Moore run. Um, we have uh, the official passing of the torch from Alec Holland. This is how you do a legacy character that's being reintroduced. Totally correct. I know that that's a big criticism of, you know, everything. This was done perfectly, beautifully. Um the one issue that I think I really, really, really want to nail, and it, it's almost like the afterthought because it's it's the outlier, and it's almost like it's the one shot, but it's the um, the team up in London with Constantine, mm-hmm. where it involves the specter of a buried old Nazi bomb. The threat doesn't exactly come from you, you know the actual like mechanical, you know, explosion that the the, the bomb present, but but the actual the hate that was imbued in the creation of the bomb Mm -hmm. that it literally like it's poisoning, you know, the locals with, you know, ideas of fascism. And it even also like Ram very delicately ties it in with the eco theme that it's almost like, you know, human ideas can be a form of pollution in itself. This can be very heavy handed, you know, in somebody else's, you know, hands, he does it beautifully and perfect, you know, and, I, I, my tendency, you know, I always tie music in with everything. And mm-hmm. after reading that issue and, and putting it down, you know, my, my very first thought was, you know, I love Neil Young and probably his most notoriously oblique lyric ever, the one that people are still almost 50 years tearing apart, shelter me from the powder in the finger, 
cover me with a thought that pulled the trigger. And it's like, I really got that, not on an intellectual level, but on an emotional level that it just tied in with that issue. And just, just beautiful. You know, it's anything that's food for thought is always going to be the best, you know, above just entertaining. And then, you know, that's only the half of the series, you know, then we do get a very entertaining and surreal battle with uh, the Suicide Squad. And the story, they even extended it. It was originally going to be a 10 issue run. Now it's a 16 issue run. Mm -hmm. So even more. So, I mean, there's so much more that I could dig into that, but I mean, there it is. My, my, my top pick for the year. Love it. Absolutely. Love it, love it. <laughs> a yeah. warning against fascism certainly is a book for 2021. <laughs> yes. And the way that, and the way that it's done, because again, like I said, it, it can be just so heavy handed and it can make your, your eyes roll. I mean, we're Star Trek fans. I mean, think of, you know, Frank Gorshin with the, you know, the black and the white. I mean, the message is sound, but the delivery of it, this was it done like just to the letter and beautifully. <clears throat> Yeah, no, uh, Ram is killing it this year between uh, Swamp Thing and Layla Star and Radio Apocalypse. And, you know, I, I, I haven't read Venom, but I've certainly heard, not, you know, no one speak ill of, of his uh, attempts to play in the world of, of Eddie Brock post, uh, post Donnie. We got friends who love the goo. That's true. They love the goo. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. <laughs> but uh I'll, I'll jump in here next uh people know me people know you know i love a good laugh uh i think one of the hardiest laughs uh i had all year was with uh kyle starks and chris schweitzer six sidekicks of trigger keaton uh over at image uh six issue whodunit based around uh the death of, of a uh an aging uh tv action star who was basically a piece of, sh- you know, couldn't ha- couldn't have happened to a bigger piece of shit, basically uh, kind of deal. And six of his uh, TV sidekicks from, you know, decades in, in TV all band together to solve a murder that none of them has any skill or training to solve, except the one guy who did a few episodes of a police procedural uh, with Trigger uh, most recently. Uh, you know, they're, they're all kind of different levels of smart dummies uh, and, and they're all just carrying their, their trauma with them. And they create this uh, amazing little club of uh, losers. Isn't the right word. Cause I don't want to be demeaning to them, but you know, they, they've time has clearly beaten them up uh, about just as bad as, as trigger did. Uh, himself. Uh, oh, and also there was a monkey. Uh, if you read the uh, the Skybound X tie-in, uh, <laughs> but um, a fantastic series. Uh, Terry Komodo, probably one of the great uh, tragic figures uh, of 2021. Um, you know, a, a man who kind of struggles to learns not to sort of perpetuate cycles of abuse while also waiting for his uh, mac and cheese and hot dog casserole to uh, finish cooking in the crock pot. <laughs> so uh, that's, that, that's my recommendation. I don't think it hits the emotional depths of uh, talking about other Starks works like a rock candy mountain or Mars attacks, but from a comedy standpoint, it, it's all there and it's solid gold, baby. Of course. Um, and I don't think you could hit those emotional points in rock candy mountain and it'd still be a comedy. 
Um, that mm. one, that one hit hard. <clears throat> As did uh, Mars Attacks. And uh, speaking of that, um, just want to note that uh, Starks just lost his dad, and yeah. um, and mm. that 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 hits really hard. Um, so certainly our thoughts to him. Um, and I'm just gonna switch characters now. Get loose. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Matt Lazowitz. I got cats and I like lots of comics and um, I'm, I'm really hoping to get all my comic collection put out in my garage and get all that shit together. But hey, you know, one, one of these days I'm going to get around to it. My pick for this year, or at least my first pick this year was the Joker. I really like that because um, it's not really a book about the Joker. It's a book about Jim Gordon. And as I talk with my uh, my bat chat co-host, uh, uh, Will, uh, you know, we say that the book really should have been, uh, Jim Gordon colon Manhunter, but you know, that shit doesn't sell. So it became just the Joker. Uh, it's a great book that is about, uh, just a, a, a guy looking back on his life and his career and it's emotional, it's resonant. And the last two issues that between the annual and I think number 10, uh, really solidified it as uh, as a book of the year. If you if you think you're a Batman fan, if you think you like Jim Gordon, you should be reading this book. Don't let don't let the label scare you off there. You, you know, Will. Uh, earlier this year, we had a little issue where uh, a scroll showed up on the show pretending to be Matt, uh, and he did a terrible job of it. But uh, you, sir, have uh, exceeded expectations uh, <laughs> in the voice work department. But yeah, uh, Joker's really fucking good, and um, I, I have seen people online who say, "Oh, gee, I'm not, I'm not reading that book." I, like, if I could pick one DC book this year to read, it's not Batman. And I swear to God, I will fucking fist fight anybody who says Tinian's Batman was good because it wasn't. It was adequate. It was fair. It was decent. It in no way is in the same neighborhood as Joker. Like they're not even close. Like you could put those books in front of me and I would not believe that they were written by the same author. It's incredible. It's it. it, it. If you're reading Joker, if you're reading Department of Truth, if you're reading Nice House on the Lake, I imagine you've got a pretty good, uh, you know, bar right there for what a good tiny comic should be. Yep. So, and that's why Batman pisses me the fuck right off. Because, <laughs> well, because it, it's adequate, it's mediocre, it's it has zero substance, just, just it's just popcorn nonsense. And then the man is killing it in everything else he writes. I just, I don't get it. I do not get it whatsoever. Well, uh, let's let's hopscotch back to uh, back to Rob while, while Mac continues to sort out his technical difficulties here. Oh boy! All right for uh, the number two slot. Oh. oh, in my notes here, I had it written as uh, orc scene in the Five Beasts, and uh, at that time, I think you know my brain really needed a uh, defrag. But uh, <laughs> now the, the great uh, the orphan in the Five Beasts. Oh, James Stucco, the, the, the mad Cuisinart genius. You, you take, you know, in this case, you know, manga and Phantasmagoria and Grindhouse Gore and a little bit of Shaolin Cowboy and even like Drew the Wanderer. 
heavy metal magazine and you just you mix it up you take what you got you set it to boss rush mode and this is pretty much what you get with there and you still get something fresh and original i mean this is just an incredibly you know dynamic exciting batshit hilarious nauseating wonderful (laughs) you know piece piece of work um you know you got this hit list of you know the uh, five uh perverted embodiments of virtue that are that are being hunted down and I'm dying to see how he's going to top Thunder Thighs, which was the, the first of them. <laughs> um, I'm going to nominate his villain of the year. Uh, so that's all really I'm going to say about that one. That that that's you guys really need to go out and discover that. This is Rob's second nomination of a James Deco comic. He previously nominated Godzilla in Hell. And you know what? <laughs> and, and let me tell you, when we oh that that was when we did our best of the decade, and it's like all right, I'm putting a licensed book on there. I'm putting it based on a single issue of a limited series of a licensed book, and it's fucking Godzilla. <laughs> I, you know, between him, he had his sweet, you know, year nominated at the Eisners and everything. I feel kind of validated now. I, mean, I think he's really arrived as, you know, a major force. And I, I just, I can't wait to see what he does next. That is excellent. Uh, Matt, welcome back. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, we've been doing this podcast thing for how many years now? It's the first time I've had technical difficulties mid-podcast. Tubes uh, are all clogged. Yeah, you know, but I use my IT guy powers, which are basically, <laughs> well, unplug the router, plug the router back in. Hey, there we go. Well, Matt, I should point out that I have had more technical difficulties than you. So you are, you are as, as the children said, like five years ago, hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> But um, while you were gone, uh, Will once again used his uh, amazing powers of mimicry to uh, talk about Joker on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, he did a better that? job than that scroll uh, six months ago during the summer. I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> oh, but. yeah, that. Well, yeah, I love Joker. I'll, I'll just let that go. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep things rolling. Is yes, anybody we, we... else who could talk about Joker? Uh, I'm happy that it was Will. Matt, you're acting like we run a tight ship. (laughs) On a weekly basis, we encourage our guests to just go down rabbit holes, do (laughs) whatever they want. That is Uh, true. But uh, since you have technically uh, not gone yet, uh, would you like to speak about a book that is not Joker? Uh, Yeah. Um, But the last thing that I really heard before things started getting choppy for on my end was uh, Will talking about Maniac of New York. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard like the first sentence of Rob talking about Swamp Thing before it all went cattywampus. Um, so I'm going to swing back over to Aftershock to talk about what what would show up in a lot of my honorable mentions as well as books I really liked that I think I'm the only person who read. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, this is the recently wrapped Campisi, The Dragon Incident. Uh, this, and I had notes up about this before my, you know, internet went wonky. So let me bring those back up so I can, you know, properly cite the creative team. Um, this is a book by writer James Patrick, who's best known for uh, the Kaiju score mm-hmm. and Italian artist Marco Locati. Uh, this is... This is a book that falls into the genre of urban fantasy, which is a a genre I really dig and doesn't get 
as much play in comics. I think often because superheroes exist in a really similar niche. So trying to do urban fantasy in comics is often looked at as like, well, aren't you just doing superheroes again? Uh, this is the story of Sonny Campisi, who's the local fixer for a mob family in uh, a little Brooklyn neighborhood. Brooklyn, it, it, it's not Brooklyn, but it, it, it feels like Brooklyn, uh, Green Village. And this is a world where fantasy things exist but they're not, you know, a day-to-day occurrence. And one day, right before the big food festival in Green Village, a dragon shows up. And it's like, okay, the descendant of one of the guys who nearly wiped out all of dragon kind, everybody but pretty much me, is in your little village. Bring it to me, or else I'm going to kill y'all. And Sonny has to kind of go because he's he's the local boy. He was the guy who worked for the this family for a number of years under the old Don, who has died and whose new son's a real scumbag. And he's now running the joint and he wants nothing to do with it. So it's a story about loyalty, about found family with a side of mobsters and dragons. It was fun. It was a a fun little four issue series that could spin out into more. I mean, by the title being Campisi, the dragon incident, there's clearly Campisi colon. If the last page of the series is any indication, the Kraken incident or Campisi, the Yeti incident that could, Come or whatever else Sonny winds up having to get involved in. But every now and then, you know, for your dark, you know, jokers or your deep, crazy dives into your Hickman X-Men stuff that require flow charts, sometimes a story about a mobster having to protect his neighborhood from a big dragon who's not really the bad guy because a lot of it is also about how the dragon was royally screwed over and betrayed and now is seeking its just revenge is fun to, to, to read that. So yeah. After the last like, you know, three years, I'm all about some fucking comics that are just here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Kim Pizzi definitely falls into that category. Right. So yeah, there's my, Second book. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's see. Let's let's go back to Will. I think I think it's time for your second there. Yeah, just having voice support for for comics, just trying to have a good time. Um, my second pick is Nelson from uh, from Ahoy, uh, which is not really a book that's here to have a good time. Um, and, um, you know, it's about, uh, let's say David Cross. That's very much the vibe that, uh, I think I got from reading it and maybe the, the, uh, creative team got from putting it together. There, there's, um, there's definitely some intent there. We had Paul Constant on the show with, uh, before the book came out. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how Bob Odenkirk is this beloved figure by everybody. David Cross is like that fucking guy. That fucking guy, um, but uh, but yeah. So it's a it's a stand up comic, uh, painfully white, painfully stuck in the nineties. Um, 
navigating this world of quote political correctness and quote uh, cancel culture. Um, I, I do this in class all the time. It's a reflex. Whenever I say cancel culture, you have to use the air quotes because it's a phrase that fucking just galls me to death because we have always had consequences for speech. This is not anything fucking new, but anyway, anyway, I'll save that rant for next semester. Um, but yeah, so uh, Melville Snelson is a, just a raging asshole. Um, and he, he rages his way through five issues and I got to crack open that, um, that fifth one uh, to see how the, the story lands, but it's, it's just, it's great. Uh, you know, analyzing, examining just what consequences should be for reprehensible, um, you know, actions towards others, because that's really what speech is uh, when we're talking about ideas in public uh, and expressing our opinions without regard to others and, you know, what that might do. Uh, But anyway, uh, another book precisely for 2021. I, uh, I almost, Snelson almost made my top three. Uh, the only reason I took it out is I was trying to uh, calibrate for recency bias, but I did read the last issue. And, you know, I, the thing that stuck out to me is, is I think when I read the first issue, I was nervous about where the book was going. You know, uh, it, satire obviously is, is, a, is a skill, is a fine art. Uh, it, can, it can go sour with, with just, you know, a, a wayward line or, you know, a, a remark that just doesn't hit right. But I read the last issue and I was like, no, this, this stuck the landing. This this mission accomplished. And Hang the banner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and I, I said this on Twitter. I'm like, look, we read Matt and I read a lot of number ones for when we're prepping for guests to come on the show. I don't finish every series. I ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. But I stuck I stuck around with Snelson and I think it it rewarded sticking around. Um actually, okay. Quick, uh, well, I told you this story already, but Matt hasn't heard this one yet. Uh, so the last digital copy of of Snelson uh, c- actually came with the back matter. Usually, uh, usually uh, the Ahoy books uh, digital copies uh, they leave. You know, I don't think it's in there every time, but uh, this one did. And the letters page is a series of letters back and forth between uh, Tom Pyre, uh, Ahoy's editor in chief. And a gentleman by the name of Vinnie Belizia from Collingswood, New Jersey. Uh, so, you know, about like five minutes from your house. Yeah. Um, and it's apparently Vinnie is hung up on the idea of page numbering in comics uh, and that being important. A very little thing, but it, it's so he's going back and forth with Tom about, well, you number the pages of story, but you don't number the pages to back matter. And, and, and it's, it's this weird little thing. And it, of course, it's handled, handled humorously, but I'm like, is this a real person? Is this a bit? I can't tell. So, you know, I did a little cursory Googling. I found, I found his Facebook page. Vinny Belizia is in fact a real person. He does live in Collingswood, New Jersey. Uh, there's like a, a tea room in Haddon Heights that's mentioned in the letters that is real. Uh, and also- Yes, Vinny- I've driven by there. I've thought about, I've said, we need to go in there and try that place sometime. Ah, okay, there we go. Uh, Vinny Belizia has two dachshunds 
Oh, so the future <laughs> guest of the show. Uh, I, like, I thought to myself, I was like, do I just randomly message this guy? <laughs> should, should we be friends? Is this a sign? I don't know. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <It's> that's, <laughs> that's, that's my bow on the Snelson number uh, five story. I aspire to have a pedantic series of letters in an Ahoy book. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> you, you would be the, the, the second Comics XF staff member to get into an Ahoy <laughs> book that way. Uh, Chris Edelman had a short uh, last year, uh, I think in Ashen. Uh, yeah, it was in Ashen Thor. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I, I'll go to uh, my, uh, my second pick here. Um, gonna go with a big two book. Uh, this one is Beta Ray Bill five issue mini, uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, holy shit, this th- this book just slapped. Uh, it was basically like let's let's just let's just take Beta Ray Bill and have him do like wrestling moves and fight like those good good Daniel Warren Johnson kaiju <laughs> and and Surter and fire demons. Uh, you know, we're going to turn his like computer ship into a, into a gynoid, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where he's going to, he's going to hang out with, with scourge and we're just going to amp the, the executioner up to 11 scourge. And at that point, soon to be MCU star Pip the troll. Don't forget Pip the troll. I, that was actually my one quibble with the comic. I wasn't quite sure why Pip was there. He didn't feel like he had a large role, but I'm not trying to put a stink on this lily. It's a beautiful comic. It is beautifully drawn. Uh, Scourge is hysterical as sort of the, uh, the over-enthusiastic wingman who just wants to like drink beer and get in fights <laughs> uh, because apparently Valhalla has been like too boring. <laughs> No, wait, now back to Pip. I mean, this is the same Pip that was also a member of X Factor. And you're saying he may not belong in a uh, Beta Ray Bill book? Come on. <laughs> Pip the Troll, apparently at home anywhere. Infinity Watch, Beta Ray Bill, X Factor. <laughs> Turtles. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, as soon as he came, he, uh, spoilers for a movie that came out a month or two ago at this point, but as soon as he came out and it was Pat Miles Wall, I'm like, yeah. I let let us love and cherish and protect this uh, drunken CGI creature. <laughs> but, you know, which means he appeared in, both he and Gamora now have appeared in the MCU before Adam Warlock. I mean, you got a cocoon. Yeah, in a post credit scene. I just I kind of wish Pip showed up as Adam's hype man and not Eros's, but I'll take my Pip where I can get it. I I have a feeling. You'll you'll see him again. <laughs> I think he's built for Guardians Volume Three, but <laughs> we we shall see. Um, fuck, where was I going? Oh yeah. So there's also in addition to all the the sort of badassery and and the good looking monsters and what have you. There's also this undercurrent of like midlife crisis sadness that's running throughout this book because Bill is sort of. You know, he lost his hammer at some point in a fight with Thor, apparently. Another thing we can blame on Donnie Cates. Uh, and, you know, so Donnie Cates. <laughs> he, he's just like not feeling himself. He, you know, he feels worthless. He needs, he needs to go out and get a, a badass weapon to be a badass warrior. Uh, and so that's this whole mission is, is to get uh, Surter's old sword um, so he can feel 
useful again. And he's hanging out with Scourge, who's been dead for, you know, I, I guess since the battle at, at Yallerbrew uh, during the Simonson run, uh, or, or maybe he came back. I don't know. Uh, you know, and, and he's like, you know, the afterlife is boring. I just want to go kick ass and get in fights. Pip is dealing with some feelings of inadequacy, uh, that I wasn't accustomed to from that version of the character. Uh, Odin apparently was barbacking on, on some planet somewhere, <laughs> just a, just an old man in a tank top living his, living his roadhouse life. <laughs> in all fairness, if you look at the mythology, Odin's whole thing is showing up in random places being like, Hey, I'm a one-eyed traveler who's doing stuff. No, I'm not Odin. But boy, that Odin guy, he's pretty cool, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but this time it was actually Odin. He wasn't like hiding who he was. True, but Odin just liked to go random places and just talk about Odin. Yes, that that is certainly true. Uh, but I think that that sort of undercurrent of of you know. Uh, just sad boys, be, sad warrior boys being sad uh, is is kind of part of what gave that book. It's a little, you know, it's it's emotional core because you always get that in the Daniel Warren Johnson book. You know, you get it in Murder Falcon, you get it in Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. Uh, he, he's he's very good uh, at what he does, and this is another example of him understanding the assignment, basically. <clears throat> but uh, we've got we got one more. Uh, round uh, to get through before we talk about some honorable mentions and some uh, some listener picks. Uh, let's see here, Matt. Why don't you go uh, go next? Okay, because I'm going to go with the, the 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 standard Matt pick, the one that Matt picks every year. It's the new Brubaker and Phillips joint. Uh, this is Reckless. Now, the first volume of Reckless dropped in december of 2020 i believe the week of or the week after we recorded last year's end of year because uh pulp would have been my brubaker and phillips of last year mm-hmm. but this year we're, we're talking reckless and for sheer volume you've got to give these the the creative team of brubaker phillips and phillips credit they released three between 120 and 150 page graphic novels in the course of 10 months. That's more output than you get from any other creative team. And Reckless is a very simple proposition. It's this is the Robert B. Parker Spencer. This is Walter Mosley, Easy Rollins. This is a creator who's creating a character to be a long-form story to tell all manner of crime stories. In this case, it's Ethan Reckless, who was an undercover narc, for want of a better term, in the late 60s, early 70s, in the counterculture movement, who got caught in a bombing Well, not really in a bombing, but a bomb went off and caused some form of brain damage where now his emotions are all muted. And so it's years later, and now he's uh, an all-purpose fixer. He's the equalizer. He's the A-team. It's a very 80s concept, 
but with a modern sensibility of this more haunted character of a guy who, after that incident, wound up working in the FBI's dead letter office. He was just sort of taking, you know, reports and filing them and read all these reports about climate change and things. And he's like, okay, the world's screwed. So I'm just going to smoke weed and surf and do what I need to to make enough to get by to do that. And so we've gotten three books, Reckless, Friend of the Devil, and Destroy All Monsters. And we've got another one lined up for next year. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't have the same overwhelming portent of a lot of the uh the other brubaker and phillips books criminal existed under the hanging shadow of all of this happened because teague lawless died and we're waiting for that story to be told. and we've now heard that story so it'll be interesting to see when criminal comes back <laughs> because it's going to be existing in a, a world after we know the inciting incident of the world mm-hmm. The fade out was a piece of historical fiction. <laughs> Killer Be Killed was this supernatural thriller with the question of is our lead crazy or is he really in contact with a demon? Reckless as a series is just a series of stories. And yes, there is continuity. Yes, there is connective tissue. But each of these books really stands on its own, which, again, not something terribly common. It's much more akin to a series of novels than it is to a series of graphic novels as we as American readers expect them to be. Mm -hmm. And I think this might be the beginning of something else because Brubaker's making enough money that he was able to say no to that Substack offer that so many other people said yes to. So that's telling me that these books are hitting the right note for quite a few people, not just me who's been, you know, putting uh, Brubaker and Phillips on his best of the year list every year for as many years as I've been doing best of the year lists. So you yes. and a lot of other people. Um, I have not read Reckless, but you just sold me on it. I, I feel, I feel left out. It's good stuff. And we will eventually get to plenty of Brubaker and some Brubaker and Phillips on Bat Chat. Cheap pop, cheap plug. It's there. I had to do it. That's some good self-promotion. Love it. Love it for both of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny with, with the reckless books, I've started joking about Brubaker and Phillips as my Grishams because I mean, Matt, you made the point they're, they're They read more like novels than they do graphic novels. And it, it, it almost feels like, Oh, this is our generations. Like my dad reading, you know, Clancy and Cussler and Patterson and David Baldacci, uh, you know, this, this is that for, for us. Um, and, and also you said the equalizer. So you just reminded me of my favorite uh, line from Spider-Man no way home. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. We will not. No, we shan't. We shan't. Nope, it's uh, still too soon for that one. Yes, it absolutely is. Um, that movie did exceed my expectations though, but uh, skipping past that. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. Will, I think, were you the one who like your big knit with pulp was that it was too short. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the price point was all wonky for me. It just the, the, the math just didn't work out. Yeah, this is these are 40 pages, 30, 40 pages longer than pulp. And, and that I'm OK with. Uh, yeah. I just that the pulp just like it just hit me wrong. Pulp was about 100 pages and these are 120 something to 140 something. So they're they're They are more sizable books. They're, they're, they're chunky boys, and they read like a meal. Yeah. But, um, Hardy man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob, what you got for us next? All right, for this one. Now, I have to say, first of all, that uh, I feel more emboldened going with this choice now after hearing Matt's second choice about uh, going for the more personal rather than the more obvious. I mean, uh, Rob, before you just went, what was your second choice? Because I didn't hear it because I was having technical issues. Oh, just, uh, Orphan, and the, uh, Orphan and the Five Beasts. Okay, cool. Just I, wanted I, to know. I, I got my Stoko love out, which, you know, I had to do. <laughs> cool, cool. Now, I, you know, like you guys, I, you know, I, I tend to ride that, you know, that same critical wave, you know, year after year with, you know, all what's really big. I mean, Layla Starr, good Asian, nice house. Mm-hmm. And I can go on about them. I mean, it, that's already been talked about. Um, you know, just like, you know, like talking about film, your favorite films of the year, you know, I mean, I, I loved the power of the dog, but you know what, I would really much rather hear from like the wig nuts who rave about fried berry and psycho gourmet, you know, <laughs> now uh, that said, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that said, I mean, this choice isn't, you know, psychotronic in any way, but uh, it is extremely personal and I, I'm, I'm going to issue uh, an earnestest advisory right now <laughs> some of you might just want to like fast forward a few minutes because it's it's going to get a little real for a minute um and and, and kind of what will said about picking a very uh 2021 choice um this is a very 21 choice and i think in any other thing i mean this this would have been um a footnote of a footnote in the uh honorable mentions but it's 2021 um the series was uh, created in 1956. This is a reprint that I'm going to be going with, but uh, collected this year from uh, the Dark Horse EC archives was um, a very brief five-issue run of a series called MD. Now, after um, basically they were done with the more lurid genre work, you know, the Tales from the Crypt and, you know, everything that we're more familiar with EC, um, they decided to go in a all caps new direction where they focused on more like edutainment, you know, you can almost say preachy treats, but not, <laughs> quite, not quite, um, you know, uh, using the same house, you know, that like Joe Orlando and Graham Ingalls and the same guys, um, this and the macabre, this is medical theater. This is bedside melodrama. This is, these are diagnoses and procedures. Um, the brief tales about, healthcare workers and doctors and, and nurses and, you know, the, what they experience. I mean, it, it's wonderfully researched without being, you know, overtly textbooks um, executed respectfully. And it's still campy. It's still a lot of fun. Now, I mean, as you guys know, maybe, maybe well doesn't know, uh, I am a frontline healthcare worker and it is 2021. And it, it's been an interesting couple of years. Um, you know, that said, I'm very kind of sensitive to some of the platitudes, you know, like, oh, you're a hero. I'm very much of the thought that, you know, we're licensed. You go in, you do the fucking job. You, you administer aid and you give comfort and you observe dutifully. You record honestly 
And then in our cases, you know, go home at 8 a.m., crack a beer, get in the shower, and then finally feel those emotions that you kind of denied yourself the last 14 hours. And this book, uh, this collection, honestly, I mean, I don't know if it was calculated to actually be published this year in light of what's going on. You know, my favorite word, zeitgeist. I took this book as, as the highest honor. I mean, I know, I know, you know, the youngins are going to say they feel seen. I felt very much seen and very much represented in a book that's, you know, 60 years old. <laughs> that, that, that's really how much it's meant to me. I mean, I, I'm even going to forego, I mean, I usually bitch about Dark Horse, you know, whenever they do like, you know, the digital recoloring and everything and get Craig Yo, get Craig Yo to do these. <laughs> But yeah, I'm going to let them slide for this. And, and really, I, I just can't give enough appreciation and love to Dark Horse for, you know, putting this on my bookshelf. I mean, it really means a lot to me. And so there's there that is. <laughs> that, that's that's beautiful. That is awesome. Um, yeah, you actually you have a wall of sort of like healthcare related comic paraphernalia. I'm uh, working on your I'm, home. I'm working on uh, <laughs> my uh, respiratory comic respiratory therapy comic wall starting with uh the first time we met phoebe and Isiesa, and they have you know the uh what's the 11 by 17 posters of deadpool doing the uncle sam and i want you and he would fill in the word word bubble and i this is when i was going and i started ruckers for uh rt school and i want you to learn everything you can about respiratory therapy so you can choke people better <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't i don't think that would quite fit in you know putting that in the office it was funny i showed the head of the uh the, the ruckers program he thought it was fucking hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna say his name you know <laughs> um but you know i have a wall started with that and I've been working on uh, my beloved preachy treats, which uh, for Will, if you're not familiar with, um, I'm a hardcore collector of those line of comics that would come out. They were often given out freely that were, you know, they were tied in with like, you know, the American Heart Association, or the American Lung Association, you know, it's Spider-Man Storm and, and Luke Cage battling uh, Smokescreen and, you know, the Captain America asthma special that was written by Wheezy Simonson. <laughs> You couldn't get that more perfect. So I'm actually Iron Man on- beats gingivitis. <laughs> <laughs> I like just earnestly love that shit. I mean, I even have a collection of Jack, like the Jack Chick tracks. I mean, it, 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 it's turning into like a sick obsession. But I am working on a little bit of a wall where I want to get the comics. Si- I want to get Wheezy to sign the as the special and have them framed. And I just think I, that's just like a, a cool little like esoteric niche that I have. Uh, love it. Um Will, I believe you're next. So this is this is the softest of recommendations. The the I really didn't have a good third one, um, and so I just kind of threw Batman '89 here on the list. And if you are a bat chat print devotee, you'll 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 already know what I'm talking about here. Um, the art in Batman 89 is a fucking disgrace. Um, I don't know why anybody at DC would green light uh, Batman 89 without the Burton vibes. Um, the likenesses are not good. Um, aside from the, the central thing that puts it on my list in terms of best of the year, uh, the Harvey Dent story has been amazing. Um, it is a continuation of you know, the Billy Dee Williams character. Um, so 
not only do you have the usual tragic fall from grace of Harvey Dent, but you also have the added uh, idea that it's a black man who has been code switching like his entire public life and he's tormented with that. He's tormented by the political ambitions he's had. They bring in this fascinating idea that uh, Harvey's convinced that there are like alternate realities and universes out there. And he just knows that there was one where he was, you know, governor, that everything in his political life turned out well, and he's a hero. And, and he, bra- he blames Bruce Wayne for not being a hero. And it's just been such a fascinating story to see play out. Again, not much else is working in that book. Um, doing some nice stuff with Robin, admittedly. Um, but pick that up. Ignore everything else but Harvey Dent. And it's been great. Yeah, it's, I, I, I've read you guys say this a few times, but uh, still, still hard to believe that Joe Quinones can whiff as an it's, artist. It's, the art is the problem is it's not bad art it's just badly suited to this book yeah yeah okay, you change okay. you change mm-hmm. the name and it's not a problem but it, it's not tim burton's you know batman and, mm-hmm. and it's the thing that bugs me the most is that billy d will uh, two-face mm-hmm. looks like billy d williams it's a really good light likeness there mm-hmm. but no one else has is a close likeness. I mean, Batman has the Reed Richards, Stephen Strange, Gray Temples out of mm-hmm. nowhere. Alfred doesn't look like Michael Goff, nor does he look like Alfred. Jim Gordon is kind of Pat Hingle, but Pat, but it, it's, and uh, Selena Kyle doesn't look at all like Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. And it's just, it's a strange choice and it's discordant that one character looks right out of the movie and the rest of them don't. There could be like this uh, rights issues with that at play though, too. I, I, I can agree with that. And I, I thought of that myself, but it just would seem strange then where it's like, okay, you need to then, even if Billy D agreed and he can look like himself, Mm-hmm. You got to stylize him a little more just because it looks strange. And it's interesting because Superman 77, mm-hmm. 78, Superman 78 is very much a spiritual thing where they don't, it's not photorealistic. Well, Fernando Torres isn't making them look, but you absolutely get like oh yeah that's a posture that christopher reeve would have as clark Mm -hmm. kent that is absolutely hackman's luthor doing that but it's consistent and it's the the consistency there that bugs me or that throws me off Mm -hmm. story though top notch yeah and i'm really enjoying the the especially have you read issue four yet well because we missed that was during the the past couple of weeks when I wasn't able to bat chat. I feel like I did. That's where Robin shows up at Wayne or Drake shows up at Wayne Manor. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. I certainly yeah. did. That 
the this again the stuff with Robin with Drake Winston this Robin is really good and you're getting a you got a lot more of him in this most recent issue and I'm really excited to see where they go with that character. Now remind me the basis for for that Robin is supposed to be Marlon Wayans. Yes. Hmm. Yes, but I think they're just sort of there isn't a likeness issue there. I don't think they're mm-hmm. really going for a likeness on the, the supporting cast because I don't believe there was a likeness for. But I haven't picked up Barbara Gordon supposing to be anyone, and she's been in there since issue one. No, no Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Barbara Gordon, uh, love interest of Harvey Dent, which is again an interesting wrinkle. Hmm. Like okay. the, the story is again going in interesting different places and it's been it's been a fun read if you can ignore like i said everything else (laughs) all right uh well i believe that leaves me and my last pick uh no surprise if you've been reading uh, our coverage over at Comics XF, but uh, I've come once again to sing the virtues of uh, Image Comics' Homesick Pilots, uh, written by Dan Waters, drawn by Casper Wingard. Uh, I love this book. Uh, you know, plain and simple. Uh, the Wingard's art is amazing. His use of color, I love. I love the way that it just moves from from neon nightmare to to pastels. Uh, you know, as the tension rises and falls, I love that it's set in 1994. Uh, I love that, you know, when these kids aren't uh, interacting directly with ghosts, they're having deep conversations about the legacy of Joe Strummer or why, <laughs> why the Ramones uh, sucked uh, or, and, and why that was part of their genius. Um, it, it's just... It, it amazes me at, at every turn, you know, there's, there's, you know, this whole depression metaphor working in the background as, as Amy, one of the leads is, you know, forced to maintain a connection to this haunted house, but also it's, it's a rule of cool as fuck because that haunted house gets up and walks. Uh, and the last issue of the second arc, which came out last month it all but sets up uh, a confrontation between uh, the haunted house that walks like a man and this mech suit that is being piloted by uh, Meg, the true hero of the book. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's just the, the mech suit is the author of the second art. Meg has been learning to control this thing and she's just powered by by anger and and a desire for vengeance because her bandmates got killed in the first issue and so now she's haunted by them uh and is walking around in a basically a a blood skin suit uh that occasionally kind of makes her look like if uh, carnage had three heads kind of um cooler than that though Um, dan let me interrupt you for a question here are you on acid (laughs) (laughs) I'm just high on good comics, man. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to tell a Rob Liefeld story later. Um, <laughs> but this this mech suit in the in the last issue is is literally swinging through downtown Seattle like like King Kong, like a like a mecha Kong, heading toward this haunted house, and you you hear the footsteps get louder and louder in the distance. And you think you're going to get to the fight 
before the last, you know, before the, the issue ends. And they basically get right on top of each other. And it's almost like, it's like the end of Rocky three, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, Apollo and, and, and Rocky having that, that having that bout and it just kind of freezes on them, uh, you know, and, and it's a, it's a good tease. Like if it hadn't been written well, you could get mad at it, but like, I can wait a couple months because I know it's going to be good. And that's the strength of, of this book uh, it, that's been solid for an entire year. I have to jump in here because I'm contractually obligated to say I'm so proud of my uh, my Limbo boys for having success. And if you like homesick pilots, go back, buy Limbo, buy five copies of Limbo. So maybe we'll get another uh, another volume of that. I, I do need to do that. That's another uh, blind spot. You need to buy 10 then. Okay. Because you've had enough time and you like homesick pilots, so you you should read Limbo. I do. I do feel like you're you're repping some kind of Waters and Wingard pyramid scheme right now. But uh, <laughs> your see, ideas intrigue me, and I wish to subscribe to your see, newsletter. See, you buy ten copies, and then you get friends to buy ten copies, and then their friends will buy ten copies, and eventually everyone will have ten copies, and it'll be Image's bestseller. So, so, suck it, Walking Dead. Uh. <laughs> But, but yeah, uh, fucking read Limbo, everybody. God damn, it was, it was a great <laughs> book five years ago. Look it up. Uh, and also speaking of Waters and also speaking of Batman, uh, Arkham City, Order of the World. Very good book. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Dan Waters and uh, Danny, Danny did Coffin Bound uh, with him. Yep. And yeah. the Wolf and uh, one of the Hill House, the DC Horror books last year. Uh, which I can remember the entire creative team and can't remember the name of the actual comic. Because uh, it was her and Carmen Machado. Uh, was that the Lolo Woods? Yes, the Lolo Woods. That was a guess. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> I- I'm having a night where I'm not remembering things. They don't yeah. happen often, but that's what you get when you don't sleep. Mm. <laughs> that's okay, Matt. Only two more podcasts to record this week. <laughs> All right, you guys doing a bonus episode this week? Yep. (laughs) Oh, Billy. (laughs) Yep. Fortunately, that's on things that I've seen a million times. (laughs) You, Beatrice Birds, will find out next week what I'm talking about. (laughs) Hey, oh. We do love that Patreon bonus content. Um, So, yeah, I figured at this point, we probably each got a a, a list of honorable mentions to to speed through. Uh, I've got some here. Some I'll, I'll, I'll stop and say a few words about some I'll just kind of get through um, one, one book that was one of my honorable mentions that almost made the list, but only two issues have come out and I did not want to drown in recency bias again. Uh, hu- I've been talking about this book way too much lately. Human target at DC uh, Tom King, Greg Smallwood. I forgot Tom King was good at comics. There were a few years there where he made us forget. Uh, looking at you, he- uh, Heroes in Crisis and uh, Orshak. Um, this this book is- and Batman Catwoman. Oh yeah, no, I I skipped that book entirely. <laughs> Smart man. Uh, but no, this is this is a detective like I know who killed me story, where uh, Christopher Chance, the human target, uh, is dying of poison that was meant for Lex Luthor, 
and he has to figure out which member of the Justice League International, the Wahaha team, uh, <laughs> tried to kill uh, or, or has killed him. So he's got 12 days, 12 issues to figure it out. Uh, in the second issue, uh, Ice uh, is introduced as sort of the, the femme fatale. And it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, part of it, I mean, King picks good artistic collaborators and Smallwood is just doing amazing beautiful work uh you can tell he's heavily influenced by like vertigo and by like 1950s era like noir and suspense and detective stories and it, it his choice of when to use a line and when not to use a line is is fascinating i could just stare at this shit all day so uh, but moving on, because it's supposed to be a quick <laughs> uh, already talked about Snelson, uh, True Cult, uh, favorite Kickstarter of the year. That was uh, Liana Kangas and Scott Brian Wilson uh, doing uh, a story about satanic cults and fast food burgers. Uh, that's fun as hell. Uh, Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, Zach Thompson and Herman Garcia, best Marvel book all year. Uh, and I'm even, you know even though I love X-Men that that's the book to read. Uh, if you love uh, Zach Thompson's other books, if you loved, I breathe the body, which is also on my list or lonely receiver. This is in very much in conversation with the body horror and the eco horror that Thompson does very well. Uh, I almost can't believe Marvel's letting him make this book. It's fantastic. Fantastic Four life story. There's, there's a pile of Mark Russell on here. Uh, not all robots. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, uh, that series just ended or volume one of that series just ended. I think it's one of his better ones. Uh, also just started again in the Mark Russell category, one star squadron uh, from Russell and Steve Lieber. Uh, what else? Uh, Inferno. You know, you're all, you're, if you're an ex fan, you, you know, you're reading it. Uh, Stillwater from Chip Zdarsky and uh, Ramon Perez department of truth. Good everyone goddamn their, book. Everyone mm-hmm. and their mother loves that book. Uh, Dead Dogs Bite from Tyler Boss, uh, Martian Ghost Centaur for all, uh, all ages graphic novel from friend of the show, Matt Haggerty. That's charming as all get out. Chariot, the first book from AWA I ever really liked. Bri- um, Brian Edward Hill and Priscilla Petrades. Uh, it's, a, it's like a synth wave action, like Knight Rider thing. Uh, that's fun as hell. It's just it, it's some of the tastiest goddamn empty calories I've ever had in a comic. And, <laughs> I'm yeah. about to top that actually, but go ahead. <laughs> no, you top it. It's, it's you're up. You're up, man. Are you sure? I got four. I'll try to whip through them quick. Um, for Marvel, my nod will be uh, Gamma Flight, or for, more appropriately, uh, the Immortal Alpha Flight, which kind of speaks to the fact. I mean, it, it really works. You know, it's a kooky mashup, um, a sequel spinoff of, you know, both uh, Hulk and Alpha Flight. I mean, that was one of the great things that I loved about the Immortal line was it was basically. Uh, uh, an Alpha Flight side book. I mean, Walter Langowski was pretty much the main character of that first arc. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that it's a really nice continuation of, it was one of my uh, decade picks was uh, Salahin Ahmed's uh, Black Bolt, which features my favorite power couple, uh, Crusher and Titania. Love them. So that, that, that's been a lot of fun. Um, now my junk food choice, <laughs> and speaking of like, kind of like off the wall, high concept mashups, um, Larry Hama's Spy Hunter and Paperboy, which uh, is even more fun than the title suggests. I mean, you've got a Soviet intrigue that hits the suburbs. Um, in a strange way, it kind of reminds me of um, the Johnny Quest series from Comico in the 80s. Um, 
very light, very fun. Um, the art from Mac Ray, I mean, kind of like what you just said, I mean, it has a very kind of like synthwave palette to it um, with very heavy, heavy silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Um, very like tasteful, dynamic action. A lot of fun. Didn't expect a lot about that. But I mean, you know, as a fan of like 80s coin up machines, I mean, that was, I, I got to check this out. And, you know, I where, really where enjoyed did, my- Where and when did those come out? It was a uh, DC Digital. Uh-huh. That's going to be out in trade. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, my rock and roll choice, because I like to do, you know, good rock and rock. And this just edges out uh, the Motorhead book from uh, Fantunes uh, from Europe Comics. Um, Prospero Bury's uh, Story of the Velvet Underground, which I actually enjoyed a lot more than the Todd Haynes documentary that came out this year, which was fine. But this was a lot of fun. Um, it's a very, you know, like 70s comics with the X um, style with um, a lot of like little like surreal humor touches. Um, their manager is portrayed as a reptile. Uh, <laughs> it's strictly it, it's a it, uh, black and white and magenta palette. Um, episodic tale of the band from you know their inception to literally the moment that Lou Reed walks out to go live with his parents. Um, and then I mean the epilogue is really kind of the, the meat of it. I mean it really wouldn't have been out of place in John Holstrom's uh, beloved punk magazine where it's uh, Prosperi is basically having a very fictional modern day interview with Mo Tucker and John Cale. And they kind of like recount the band's legacy and everything. And then it just ends very crankily when they bring up Doug Yule and the 93 reunion. It's like, okay, we're done here. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun if you're for fans of the band. Now, I had to nominate a favorite single issue. Mm. Ice Cream Man 24. <laughs> the telethon issue. Um, we have a man who, uh, Dan will like this, our, our, our good friend Billy Mitchell would uh, describe <laughs> as a uh, some poor bastards really getting the screws put through them. Um, or as the book describes it, uh, the human uh, degenerative process. It's just basically, you know, somebody going through the rigors of life and just completely wearing down. And Rick is holding <laughs> like a very kind of metaphysical telethon where he's inviting people to call in and just, you know, help this poor schlub out. And of course, there's no help because you can only really rely on yourself. Um, it's the feel bad hit of the year, uh, <laughs> which I, there is also a absolutely twisted nod to the classic national lampoons cover by this issue or we'll shoot this dog. <laughs> yes, it goes there. They actually, wow. in, where Rick actually implores you to put this issue down. If you want to help this poor bastard out. <laughs> so fun stuff. Uh, that book continues to delight and, uh, confound and, and and depress and yeah <laughs> so yeah that, that 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 was my 21 all right well let's jump to you i will start with incredible doom by matthew bogart and jesse holden it is a wonderful little indie series that was collected by harper this year in a hardcover it is uh stories of teens uh, and the early internet. And this is a fascinating read of bulletin boards and usenets and young love. And it's just, it is a great book. Um, probably uh, a little out of, uh, out of the rest of these picks, but go seek it out, people. It's good. Um, Stray Dogs, wonderful, weird concept. Um, I'll stick with like an anthology whole, uh, whole haha ice cream man, silver coin. Uh, and then uh, I got a bunch of other random stuff on here. Casual Fling, Knock Em Dead, Hollow Heart, Shadow Doctor. Ooh, uh, I'm glad you put Shadow Doctor. I've missed that from my list. That was a good book. Yeah, yeah. 
historical fiction, nah. well, historical fact, animal fiction, you know, whatever. It's good. Um, Ninja Turtles, Last Ronin, uh, Post-Americana, Nuclear Family, Kaiju Score, Kill Whitey Donovan, Batman Kings of Fear, Chariot, again, uh, Happy Hour, Batman Universe, Nice House on the Lake, a really, really great number one, and eh, the rest of it, eh. uh, The Wrong Earth, and Penultimate Man. All right, Matt, you want to run through yours? Sure thing. Um, so my, I, I've got some pockets here. My first pocket is the just off that top three uh the first of those other history of the dc universe the only reason that wasn't in my top three is it was in my top three last year (laughs) or it probably should have been for this year because only one issue came out last year but that was good stuff and it's continued to be great uh the other and we're we're still in that dan waters love is uh, (laughs) a picture of everything else which would have made it if it hadn't just completely disappeared after three issues. Yeah, that and Giga. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the it's been that never end. <laughs> six months since issue three, and I kind of like, oh, I want, I want more. I want to know how it ends. Um, now we're going into another one of Matt's sort of standard tropes: the all ages corner. Uh, we've got uh, Rassel Castle, the joyful. Uh, fantasy wrestling all ages book from Tobin, Coover and Galahad or Galahad uh, Batman Scooby-Doo mysteries. Cause it's Batman and Scooby-Doo and I love it. And uh, Batman and Robin and Howard from Jeffrey Brown. Uh, we're going to have to do this well, because this is following in the footsteps of Lil Gotham in a, the only likable Damian Wayans or when he's played as an actual kid. Uh, that, uh, now, out of all ages, uh, that Texas blood, especially the second arc, which is set in the 80s and has to do with uh, a satanic cult in this Texas town. Ah, oh, geez, I need to read that. Real solid. Uh, orcs! It's got an exclamation <laughs> point, so it needs to be said like that. Uh, a fun little fantasy book out of Boom. Uh, Lock and Key Sandman. That, that's just hitting all of Matt's tropes. Again, it would have made the top five, top three. If it was a top five, that actually probably would have been in the top five. Uh, but it was just two issues. It was a joyful little bonbon, but there wasn't enough meat to make it. Uh, the digital comic from Webtoons, Wayne Family Adventures. It's fun little Batman family as family. Uh, Batman Superman by Gene Lin Yang. Uh, it, it was... Again, this was fun superhero comics. This was Gene Lin Yang. You're like, hey, I'm going to write superhero comics like they're superhero comics. Uh, The Good Asian, uh, excellent noir out of image. Uh, The High Republic, not just the comics, but this whole publishing initiative of interlinked novels for all age groups and comics that weave to create a a Star Wars tapestry in an era a couple hundred years before the prequel, so it's untapped potential even in the previously existent EU. So you've got a whole list of new characters having cool adventures and villains who aren't the Sith. There are no Sith here. This is something very different. Hmm. Uh, The Archie 80th anniversary program that they've been doing with a series of digests thematic digests and trades that have been celebrating 80 years of Archie, which have been fun. 
my my Marvel book for the year was Eternals. Kieran mm-hmm. Gillen's Eternals, which has been fascinating and weird and awesome. And finally, it's been a good year for Werewolf Noirs. Uh, <laughs> Ahoy's Blacksmith and the just dropped number one for Lunar Room. Uh, I love werewolves. I love crime. You put werewolves in crime, and you, <laughs> you, you, you that that's a book that's, that's just made for man. <laughs> Be like and do crimes. Yes. <laughs> so there we go. Those are my honorable mentions of the year. All right. Uh, we did. I did solicit some some listener picks uh, for uh, their faves of the year. Uh, so we got we got some friends on here. Uh, chief among them, uh, our, our favorite uh, Twitter inquisitor, Asimov, Asimov fangirl, who is a real person who I met in Chicago, <laughs> and she is a delight. Uh, I am happy to report. Uh, she, uh, her pick was a reprint of the manga series O Human Star. Uh, friend of the show and past guest Scott Madrinsky uh, also went with Beta Ray Bill. Uh, he actually reminded me to add it to the list. So thank you, Scott. Uh, friend of the show, Keith Dallas. Had a couple picks here. Uh, he went with uh, the Marvel Alien comics, uh, Star Wars, mm. War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, Giger, and Ice Cream Man. Uh, Kevin Newburn went with Barbaric from Vault. Uh, Chris Osborne from Play Comics Cast, uh, Lamenti Deaths of Layla Star. Uh, so that, that book's obviously getting some love. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Twitter user Saren uh, picked Spider Woman from Carla Pacheco and Perry Perez and the Captain Marvel and Black Widow series from Kelly Thompson. Uh, and uh, a gentleman named Adam, uh, not the one we know. Uh, uh, There's a, another Adam? Uh, apparently there can be multiple. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he went with uh, Homesick Pilots, The Good Asian, Ultra Mega, Dead Dog's Bite, Swamp Thing, Layla Star again, Nice House on mm-hmm. the Lake, Ha Ha, Philadelphia, Department of Truth, Not All Robots, Chicken Devil, which I think was an Aftershock series. Yes, yes it is. Uh, and Yes, um, that was the end of his list. Uh, oh, and uh, let's see here. User Extremely Uncanny uh, also said Barbaric and Ultra Mega and Way of X, though he recognized the last one was polarizing for many. We're not going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> uh, not here. We are all friends. Um, I don't know what that accent was, but I apologize. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we've made it to the end. There are a lot of good comics here. Uh, that we've been talking about. Uh, but now I want to shamelessly plug uh, my co-hosts, uh, my esteemed co-host and, 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 and our guests uh, podcast. Uh, y'all need to be listening to Bat Chat. Uh, or shucks. Goddamn delight. <laughs> uh, every week you guys are doing. It's a truckload work. of buttholes each <laughs> and every week. And this week is our very. Very special Christmas butthole episode. Please tune in. <laughs> you know, even Batman celebrates Christmas, even if he does it begrudgingly, depending on which version of Batman you're dealing with. <laughs> what other uh, what other themes can people look forward to uh, in, the, in the coming weeks? Well, we've got next week will be uh, new Batman for new year. We're going into some more Elseworlds and some alternate reality Batman. Mm-hmm. Then uh, a trip to everybody's favorite, I suppose, unless you have to spend time there, 
uh, home for the mentally unwell, Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and uh, the week after that, uh, Comics XF writer Armand Babu will be stopping by to talk about Batman as a member of the JLA for three Batman and JLA stories. And after that, that's as far as we've recorded. Uh, this week, we will be recording some stories about uh, the Huntress and Batman because we're getting to the point where the Huntress is going to be regularly a big part of the upcoming Arkham Tower slash Shadows of the Bat arc, which is also the reason why we did the Arkham Asylum one. So yeah, th- those that'll be that's January, and pretty soon after that, we're going to be we've got some more guests. We've got uh, our what I'm sure are going to be some delightful picks by some of our uh, Patreon backers that aren't at all going to be there to make us suffer pain, so much pain. But some of them will. Let's put you on the spot, Dan. What are you thinking about? Well, listen, I, I, we got to bring it back to one of the pieces that to my mind is, <laughs> is peak Dr. Nevin Yes. Yes. No. Get ready. Get ready to revisit. Oh, God. John Gordon Batman White. (laughs) Well, I heard, you know, I knew it was going to be coming eventually. And at least the triptych, Uh, the other stories will be good. I swear uh, to you, Will, the other stories will be good. Oh, I heard inside. We're, we're gonna bring you. I'm gonna bring you down, and then Matt's gonna raise you back up. Ah, we're, gonna, we're gonna even you out. Ah, well, at least I know now. Yeah, oh. but we now know what the first week of March will bring us. First or second ah. week of March. That's, that's the real me. March Madness right there. Well, and in all fairness, that's when it will drop. We'll be recording it. No, no, that, that, wait, I gotta figure it out. I got I math. <laughs> there, there's math involved. Don't worry it's about it. <laughs> It'll be recorded the first week of March, so it'll drop the end of March. But ugh. I mean, the NCAA tournament wraps in like early April or something like that. Anyway, it's just, I, I think the March Madness app <laughs> still <laughs> applies. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be forty-five minutes of Will just telling me to get fucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, as we're winding down, what the hell else do you gentlemen want to talk about? Anything? You know, a new One Star Trek book- Discovery comic just got announced. Uh, we'll save that for another show. Okay. Um, one book you're looking forward to next year, and I will I will steal a cheap one. Uh, Wade's World's Finest. Okay. Ooh, um, trying to think what I have seen. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, I mean, I'm there's. You know what? Uh, I'm curious, uh, Immortal, Immortal X-Men, Kieran Gillen back with the X-Books, some Kieran Gillen Sinister. Uh, I'm all about some Kieran Gillen Sinister. That is a, that is a good pick. Uh, I'm just particularly mad at the X-Men this week after the ends of uh, Excalibur and X-Force, so I'm trying not to uh, uh, give them as much love as I, I, I have. <laughs> as, as I am running behind on my books, I still have, I, I mean, I know I've, yeah, I, I still haven't read the end of X Force, so I, I guess Excalibur was disappointing, and a very out of character Pete Wisdom, which annoyed me to no end. They disrespected our boy, Matt. They disrespected yeah, disrespected our boy. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Ah, uh, boy. Um, Rob, you got anything? Something uh, like you're looking I, forward to? You know, like I say every year, I, I, I seek not the solicited, but I'm always looking for the shock of the new. So right on. And that that'll hold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I, I hope we all get uh, pleasantly shocked uh, in the new uh, here, year. Here, here. Pleasantly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please. Please. <laughs> let, let it please and tickle us. Uh, <laughs> and uh, gentlemen, thank you. We did it. I bid you all good night. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast, along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, Chris is on Infinite Earths, and the new Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by our own Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. A $3 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at Comics XF, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Kat Purcell from Comics XF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and Comics XF at Comics XF. And until next week, remember, when there was one set of footprints in the sand, that's when the Hulk carried you. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.